0: See, well, again, we're just so glad you're here, and it's just so fun to see uh, those kids that we have been, and students that we've been partnering with uh, for a long time, many of them, and to see them. And kids, uh, those of you who are here, we are just, we love having you with us. You are, as Chris said, and Jennifer as well, you are as much as part of this church as your parents are, as the adults that you see uh, helping you, leading you. Um, that this is a church for you, and we want to be that that place. And so, uh, we are excited to continue in 1 Corinthians here. Um, hopefully, you were you were listening as uh, we heard these words and kind of even moving us into a section of these next several weeks, talking about a new topic uh, of spiritual gifts. Now, I'd only been a a pastor for maybe a year or two um, when this happened, and I'd like to just sort of chalk it up uh, to immaturity or whatever, like I've, you know, grown um, so much since then. Um, But I I, kind of know better, I think. Um, It was uh, several years ago, so I was driving home from church. It was MLK weekend. Uh, This was when we still lived like 30 miles from here. So I had had plenty of time to kill uh, and was just trying to find something on the radio to, to keep my attention for whatever, half hour. And I stumbled upon this musical tribute to Martin Luther King Jr. I thought, well, that's pretty cool, right? And so I was instantly drawn in I was just sort of amazed, right, that all these songs have been written in honor of this individual who's, who's done so much uh, good for, for humanity. And I, as I'm listening, I began to kind of, uh, the music started to kind of fade into the background, right? And I started to think, through, you know, what are those other things in our world uh, that continue to need uh, people to, to lead and engage? And I began to, you know, dream about, you know, education or, or global poverty or, or abortion or human trafficking and, and thinking, you know, what could I do To make that kind of difference in our world but as i'm as i'm thinking that having this sort of internal conversation i I begin to realize that actually what i'm I'm thinking about here is not how do i make a difference it's how do i get people to write songs about me that's that's what i was actually trying to do (laughs) it was like how can i get a holiday uh, for me right in honor of of my name it really had nothing yeah nothing good at all attached to it. it was really just wanting to to be something awesome because i mean you know, I don't just want to be a pastor. I want to be the best pastor. I don't want to just be faithful. I want to be fantastic. And I'm, I'm sure you can all see how much I've grown, right, over the years. But, but I, I know you know exactly what it is I'm talking about, right? Because we all want to be great, right? We all want to do something that, that matters, that, that counts for something good in our lives and in our world. And whether you're a Christian or not, right? We have that tug. That is a good God-given desire to do something worthwhile. But I don't want to just do something great. I want to feel great. I want to look great. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, sure, I'll I'll help the homeless. You mind if we get a quick uh, selfie here, you know, kind of thing? Let me just post that real fast. I mean, we're we're such fickle creatures, aren't we? In the ways that we serve in the ways that we give, and the ways that we love, of course we want to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. In fact, really, if, if you're a Christian, um, you really don't have any option in the matter, right? You already are. You are a part of something bigger than yourself. But not just that. Because look around, right? Our, our world is broken. We, we feel heartache and pain all around us. The needs seem, seem way too out of our own reach. It's not just that you've been called to something more as a follower of Jesus. It's that what we see here in these coming weeks is that you've not just been called for something more, you've actually been gifted for something more. That, that God has given you something to be able to serve him, to do his work in this world. You, not, not theoretically, but you, if you're a follower of Jesus. I know that kind of sounds cheesy, right? A little bit, like kind of, you know, belongs on a cat poster next to your special. You have a gift, you know, we can stroke each other on the back and, and all that kind of thing. I mean, we, we, my cynicism sort of, oh yeah, come on, right? Everybody gets a trophy and we can move on. But the reality is what we see in this text is that's, that's exactly what Paul's saying, is that you, if you are a follower of Jesus, that means God's spirit lives within you and he has given you a gift to be able to accomplish his work in this world. But this, this particular gift, whatever it is in your life, and we'll, we'll kind of unpack a little bit of this here, is unlike any other gift. Because every other gift is about me, right? Any gift I get, you know, it's about me. But this gift is, is just the opposite. In fact, it, we'll see it right here this morning. If there's one thing for you to remember, one thing for me to remember from our time together this morning, I hope it's this, your gift is not for you your gift is not for you. So, so yes, if, if, if you are a Christian, you have been given a gift to be able to contribute, but that gift is not for you. Certainly not so you get songs written about you, right? Not even just so that you'd feel good about yourself or to prevent you from getting bored, right? Or to, to have some, some sense of, of purpose, more than that. In fact, it's just not about you at all, or about me. And sure, I know our our culture is particularly narcissistic, right? We are. We're more than a little individualistic, and so we do tend to make these kinds of things about us, but the reality is this isn't a 21st century problem. Uh, this, This is a human problem, because we see it even so long ago in that ancient church there in Corinth. Anybody else getting tired of all the problems in Corinth, right? I mean, if you've been here since January, right? We've been studying this and it just seems like one bad thing after another over and over and over again. All these things that this church is just struggling with, right? I mean, they're, they're brand new at following Jesus and, and Paul, you know, he started their church. He's now someplace else and everything is, has fallen apart and we're gonna spend, Paul spends the next three chapters talking about this issue of, of the ways that God has, has gifted and equipped his people. Three chapters, that's a lot isn't it? I mean, you see in, in Corinth, they had come to believe essentially that if you were spiritual, right, which for them meant if you were like, if you were somebody special, right, somebody important, if you were worth anything, then you couldn't just sort of be average. You had to be fantastic, right? You had to, you had to be amazing and, and wonderful and flashy and flamboyant. They had all these sorts of expectations. And, and so they'd made their gifts, these supernatural abilities, they'd made them all about themselves, and they'd turned church into the very worst episode of American Idol, right? They're, they're manipulating, they're competing, they're performing. It's all about them, and they're distracting from what they're really supposed to be about. So Paul spends three chapters. We're going to take the next four weeks together walking through these things, Because even though we're in a different context, right, and we live very different lives, we're we're not that different. And we deal with similar things, similar struggles. and, And we all want our lives to count for something, every one of us. And we've all felt the joy of doing something that we love, right? You felt that, right? Something that you're good at, something that you enjoy doing, something that maybe you've even seen God show up, right, and do something in and in your life. And in the lives of others. We want to feel that more, don't we? We want to feel that at work and at school and at home and in our neighborhoods. We want to feel that in our churches, churches everywhere, don't we? And Paul's going to show us how. And so this morning we're going to see three things. In uh, particular, we're, we're talking about if you're a follower of Jesus, and so I realize not everybody here is, and we're, we're glad that you're here, and so if you feel like you're kind of outside the conversation, I, we don't want you to feel that way, uh, and yet these words are specifically for, for those who have taken that step of faith, right? Uh, and so I hope that even if you're not a follower of Jesus, you will um, you'll listen in, right, as, as somebody sort of intrigued by what we at least believe we are as a church, right? Uh, that we're called to contribute to something bigger than ourselves and we think that it's a supernatural work outside of any of our own abilities and so even if you don't feel like you're part of that conversation, I hope, I hope you won't just check out, right? I hope that you'll be here with us. But specifically, right, three things. If you are a follower of Jesus, here's what Paul is saying. You have the Spirit. The Spirit gives good gifts and your gift is not for you. So let's start at the most basic level there. You have the Spirit. If you are a Christian, God's Spirit lives in you. Which, I know, kind of sounds crazy, doesn't it? Almost a little bit hokey to think about. How, how is that possible, right? That the God of the universe could actually live within us, right? Intimately, personally, with us. How does that, how does that even work? I mean, who, who is the Holy Spirit in the first place? Well, he is the third person of the Trinity, Okay, and I know anytime we start talking about the Trinity, we all automatically get a little bit lost, don't we? Um, I remember not too long ago, I mean, it was maybe a year, maybe two years ago, uh, one, of, one of my kids came out of their room and they had this look on their face as if they just solved this gigantic riddle, you know, such like satisfaction on a little kid's face. And, and came up to me and said, Daddy, you know, so excited that they figured it out. Daddy, we have three gods, they said. We have Father, Son, and Spirit. It's always fun as a, as a pastor to realize that you're raising a little heretic, right? Um, because we don't have three gods, right? Uh, fundamental of, of who we are as, as Christians, of what we believe. We do not have three gods, and yet it is incredibly mysterious, right? That we, I mean, I can't, I can't blame any, anybody for, for feeling otherwise, especially a child. This is a mysterious thing. Our God is one, and there is only one God, and yet he exists equally and eternally In three distinct persons. That's very clear, right, for all of us. Um, This means that the the Holy Spirit is just as much God as Jesus is, just as much God as the Father is, and yet, clearly, he's different. They're not not the same, and yet they're one. I'm sure we've got that, so let's keep going here, right? Um, We also believe that the, the Spirit is a person, not simply a power, right? Or, or a force. He's a he, not an it, if that if that helps. W- which gets a little bit cloudy for us as well, because when we think about sort of a spiritual power, I mean, the first thing that I think of is Star Wars. Any- I mean, anybody else, right? Anybody, anybody uh, celebrate May the 4th be with you uh, a couple weeks? It's ridiculous, isn't it? What's wrong with us? And yet it's it's Star Wars, so of course we do it, right? We love this. And, and, and there, there's this, you know, you, you know the story, right? There's this mystical power called the force, right? It is, it is completely impersonal, right? It doesn't have a personality or anything like that, and it's available only, only to a few. That's, that's not what we're talking about here. That's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person. It means he has a personality. Again, he is a he, not an it. Well, where does, where does the Spirit live, this gets a little bit confusing as well, right? Because as spirit, by definition, he is not confined to any spatial limitations, right? That's part of what it means to be, to be spirit. Well, Paul has already given them and us two primary addresses for the spirit, of where the spirit lives. Uh, this is earlier on in, in, our, in our study of 1 Corinthians. But the first place and the primary place is here. And I don't. I don't mean Christ community. I don't mean four walls and a roof. I mean amidst God's people, that there is something unique about when we gather together—the expression of God's of God's presence. In fact, I mean I can tell you personally. For me, there is no place where I more consistently experience God's presence than right here with with all of you as we gather together in in worship and praise of this of this God. There's something. Something mystical, right? Something unique, something that doesn't happen anywhere else that when we gather we experience God's presence. And so he's here, not four walls but among, among his people. This is where he lives. But the second address Paul gives is not just sort of here collectively but he makes it very clear that he lives within us personally, right? He has he called the, the Corinthian believers, right? And us as well, temples of the Holy Spirit that God himself, that we are we're temples of God, us as individual People, that God lives within us. The moment you put your faith in Jesus, we don't know how it happens, right? There's not a chart that we can sort of follow and figure it out, but the moment you put your faith in Jesus, God makes his home inside you and he is always with you and he will never leave you. And That's exactly what Jesus said would happen when he lived on earth. But why? What's the point? What does he, what does he actually do? Well, the Scripture actually describes a lot of different things that the Holy Spirit does in our world and in our lives. Uh, for example, he, he convicts us of sin. Uh, he gives us uh, wisdom when we, we need wisdom, and He gives us comfort when we need comfort. He teaches us the Scriptures in a much better way than any of us could possibly do by just simply opening our Bible or me trying up here to teach. It's, I am dependent, right? We are dependent on the Holy Spirit to take anything that we read in these words, anything you hear me say, and rooting it deep in our hearts. It's, it's not something that we can just sort of manufacture. So he teaches us and he, he changes us from the inside out. I, just, I love that because every, every attempt of my own to change, right, begins on the outside, doesn't it? And it's not that those are unimportant, right? We tra- change behaviors or patterns or schedules or those kinds of things, but we push from the outside in. But we actually have God living within us, pushing change from the inside out. I mean, that, is, that is amazing, isn't it? That we can actually be changed because our God lives within us. And the Holy Spirit gives gifts for us to be able to serve him. And really, there's a whole lot that we could say here, right? A whole lot that we could describe of what the Spirit's work in our lives and in our world is. But if I were to boil it down to just one thing, I mean, it's essentially what our statement of faith says as a church and as a do- denomination, that if you're to, to sum up the Spirit's work with a very simple task, it's this. In everything he does, everything, the Spirit glorifies Jesus. That's... Who he is. That is his role. He doesn't exist for himself or, or even for his own glory, but rather everything he does is meant to shine glory on another. And we see this at the start of our text. Just kind of a, a glimmer of it here in chapter 12. That's where we're at. If you have a Bible, feel free to follow along here. But we're in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. And let me read again, beginning in verse 1. Paul says, he's you know, moving on to a new topic here. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters. I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray by mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. It's what he does. That that at the end of the day, his longing is that everyone everywhere, every person, young, old, in every place and time of history would declare Jesus is Lord, Jesus is King, that he's, he's in charge. That, that is what he does. And so then, okay, it makes sense, even as we begin, if that is his role and he gives gifts, I mean, it makes sense, right, just by inference that those gifts, they can't possibly exist for, for us, right? Even he doesn't exist for himself, that everything he does, including the gifts he gives, are about someone else entirely, are pointing to Jesus. So, yes, if if you are a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus, then you have God's Spirit living within you. And God's Spirit, second thing, gives good gifts. It gives good gifts. So what, what is a spiritual gift? Well, as a, as a team, a handful of us pastors, we tried to kind of sketch out our best attempt at a, definite, a definition of what, what is a spiritual gift. Let me, let me read it for us. A spiritual gift is a spirit-empowered ability freely given to the believer by the Holy Spirit for the purpose of serving others and building up the church for the common good of all. I realize there's a lot of words there, a lot there. Uh, let me just read it again, because we're gonna be talking about this, right, for four weeks, Okay, so we want to root this in of what it is we're even talking about, right? Let me read it one more time. A spiritual gift is a spirit-empowered ability freely given to the believer by the Holy Spirit for the purpose of serving others and building up the church for the common good of all. And so what that means then, right? We're talking, this is great theory, isn't it? Uh, it's good theology. We want to understand who the Holy Spirit is and, and what he does. And yet, let's, let's not leave it in the realm of theory, right? I'm not talking about theory. This is about us. But if you're a Christian, so God's spirit lives within you and then he has given you a gift or possibly more than one that empowers you. This isn't theory. This is about you. You not the person next to you or the person behind you or in front of you or anybody on stage or serving your kids. If you're a follower of Jesus, this is about you. God has given you a supernatural ability to do something great for him. You. He's given that to you. I mean, look how Paul describes it. As these verses continues, he kind of unpacks a little bit. And really, he's just sort of, I mean, this is kind of the preamble uh, in many ways of what he's going to be discussing for the next few weeks. And so we're going to hit on a lot of these themes. But he, right out of the gate, he wants to make it clear that the Spirit, he gives uh, unity, he gives diversity, and he gives purposefully. Right? We see it, we see it right here in these verses that continues. Right? But he starts with unity, uh, Paul does, because he knows the mess these things can cause. He knows the problems, the arguments, the fights that they're having in Corinth. And frankly, he knows the way that these continue. I have to wreak havoc in so many churches. So look what he says in verse, verse 4. He says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. I mean, I love, I love right there, right? His first sort of words out of his mouth as he begins to describe these things, he has these two seemingly very contradictory words, right? Same and variety. Three times he mentions, and you see the, the fact that the whole, the whole trinity is involved, right? Uh, this, the, the Holy Spirit, Jesus is the Lord, God the Father. They are all together in unity working to bring these gifts into our lives so that we can do God's work as if he were here physically present with us in our world. And of course, of course they ought to be something that brings unity, right? I mean, if God our God being one, right? If he's unified in himself, then these gifts have to bring unity within the context of diversity because he's the same spirit, right? That's what it says. It's the same Lord, same God who's doing it. And so what Paul is implicitly beginning to push at them and to push at us is, so how, how can we possibly compete about these things or argue about them or, or be proud or envious or how can we try to one-up one another or how can we in insecurity or fear or laziness hide away from these things, right? If, if this is what God has done, how can we, we not live into this? Because we still fight over these things, don't we? I mean, there's different ways that it comes out, but one, one example would be that there, there are certain segments of Christianity that would say uh, that if, if you're a Christian and you don't speak in tongues, which tongues is one of the gifts we'll get to you that's kind of wreaking some havoc there in their, in their community, but would say that if you don't speak in tongues, then you're not a Christian. Like, you have to be able to speak in tongues to, in order to be a Christian. There's, there's some groups that say that. I think Paul would say, and I think it's fairly clear, that's just, that's just not the way it works. These things aren't meant to drive us apart or cause disunity or fragmentation among community. They're meant to bring unity and community, right? And bringing us, bringing us together. This is one of the reasons why, quite honestly, why we at Christ Community, we don't emphasize some of those more spectacular gifts like speaking in tongues or healings or miracles. It's not that we don't think there's a place for those or that those things are, are completely non-existent in our world. It's, we wouldn't say that at all. In fact, I think in some places, in some circumstances, there, there's probably a lot of validity there. But we realize at the same time that in our cultural context, they have caused, caused so much division, so much pain, so much confusion among churches uh, that we... We want to be, be cautious with those conversations. These things are meant to bring us together, not divide us. Now, we here, Christ's community, we, we don't argue about those things as much, right? The tongues and the, I, I don't think we do. Um, I, I don't think that's part of our, of our difficulty, and yet we still very easily can drift towards disunity, can't we? I mean, just in different ways, Right? it's pretty easy for us to, to, as we have said, right, to elevate certain gifts, right, and and maybe have the the impression that, well, the really important people are the ones who get to be on stage, right, and everybody else just kind of whatever. It's easy to to allow that to creep in because we are kind of a a celebrity culture, right, where the people that we get to see, they they must have the the greater value or something like that, and that's that's not what Paul's getting at here, of course not. Or maybe for others of us, maybe that's not it, but maybe maybe you just prefer to avoid tasks that aren't very fun, right? Or that, that are hard. Or that don't get noticed very much. Or, or maybe maybe that's, maybe that's not you at all. Maybe we just, for some of us, maybe you just disobey the spirit altogether and prefer to be served rather than to serve. To allow others to meet your needs and the needs of the community rather than you getting involved. There's a reason that Paul starts with unity here. It is so easy whether in a community like theirs or a community like ours, to allow these things to, to divide us, to rip us apart. But I love this, though. It's not just unity. And, and this will come out really clearly next week as, as well, but uh, it's, it's not just unity, because unity can very easily bleed into thinking that we're sort of supposed to be uniform, right? Uniformity. Um, but Paul makes it very, very clear, you know, there's diversity, right, that the Spirit is giving. It's not simply unity. It's unity in the context of diversity. I love, I love how Paul lists out a bunch of these gifts, right? Um, here are the ones he mentions, uh, starting in verse 8, a few of them here. Um, he's, wisdom, for example, okay. So that's, that's kind of the ability to, to make good decisions. Uh, knowledge, ha- having a good grasp of things. Faith, um, I mean, all Christians have the gift of faith. That's part of being a Christian, right? Of, of stepping forward in faith. And yet there are some believers who just have a, a supernatural ability to trust God in the midst of really difficult things, right? Many of us have probably seen that. He mentions healing, which again, I think is probably rare. And yet there are times when God allows us to be conduits of, of supernatural healing. Uh, miracles, very similar. Prophecy, uh, the ability to speak forth God's message distinguishing spirits, uh, recognizing what comes from God and what doesn't, being able to discern between the two, right? Uh, Tongues, uh, speaking in languages you didn't learn, um, and interpretation, translating those languages. And so these are just the ones, right, in our passage, but Paul mentions others, right? Even at the end of chapter 12 and in other places like Romans, he talks about others. We've added a a few more here. This isn't meant to be a complete list, but he, he mentions encouragement as a spiritual gift, giving, and we're all we're all called to be generous, right? But some people, man, they just, they wake up in the morning eager to give, right? Um, some people have leadership, uh, mercy, which uh, is like empathy, right? Being able to sympathize and enter into other people's problems and pain. Service, again, we're all called to serve, but we all know those people, right, who just, I mean, you don't even know what they're doing or where they are, and yet they make things happen, and they serve so beautifully, right? Um, teaching, administration, evangelism, pastoring, um, and again, I, I, I wanted to put this list up there. This isn't all the ones that are mentioned in the Bible, certainly. And I don't want any of us to sort of walk away thinking like this is the, the authoritative list, or even that the Bible tries to give an authoritative list. Paul mentions different things in different contexts to different people. And I think that allows us to think that, yes, the Spirit can probably do more than that, right? I mean, frankly, the Holy Spirit can do whatever he wants to, to build God's church, to bring glory to Jesus. And so there are other things that maybe today are would be considered a gift of the Spirit that, are, that happens in our context that maybe wouldn't have happened then. And so we don't need to be limited by by any any list. Uh, for example, even, uh, I love this. The Old Testament um, has an example where the Spirit gives gifts to the workers, uh, building the tabernacle and the art, the ark, uh, the ark. Um, craftsmen, right? Uh, in their artistry. He, gives them gifts to be able to build it well, right? And so the Spirit's not limited to things that we think, right, tend to be more spiritual or not. The Spirit can do whatever He wants. And the reality is, for many of us, I mean, the work that you do, uh, whether you get paid for it or not, most of it doesn't happen here, right? It doesn't happen under the official banner of the church. It's It's you being the church in work and school and in your neighborhood and and every place that we go. And God has gifted you and called you to serve him there just as much as he's gifted you and called you to serve him here. The spirit can do whatever he wants to glorify Jesus. And we're going, to get, we're going to get practical in a second because I, I do want to spend a little bit of time of, of helping us try to figure out how do, we, how do we figure these things out, right, of where we're gifted and how, how do we get, begin using those gifts. But there's just one more thing to draw out in this section, uh, right, in that last verse, uh, verse 11. It's kind of the concluding thought for Paul. Um, so yes, the, the Spirit gives unity, gives diversity, but He also gives purposefully, uh, with intentionality, right, deliberately. It's not haphazard. It's not it's not unfair, it's, he does it as, as, he, as he chooses. Look at verse seven. Oh no, verse 11. He says, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Spirit gives however, whenever, whichever, to whomever he feels like, which means there is no room for envy, pride, self-absorption, laziness. There's no, no room for com- competition or, or manipulation or, or feeling less about a lesser gift or trying to show off a, a bigger gift, a flashier one, or any of that. Paul's just, that's, there's no place for that. The Holy Spirit decides what you're going to be good at and what the person next to you is going to be good at. And certainly we have a role to play, right? We can grow in these gifts and abilities that God has given us, and yet at the end of the day, it's his call. And so, sigh of relief, Right? don't worry about it. Don't worry about the person sitting next to you. Okay, so we've laid a little bit of groundwork here. Um, I hope you haven't gotten too lost in this, but I think it's important. We gotta have, we gotta have some foundations, right, before we ask this question. But I think, I think we're at a point where we can begin asking it. Um, do you know how God has gifted you? Again, I'm not talking theory, right? I'm not talking about you, plural. I'm talking about you sitting there. If you're a follower of Jesus, do you know how he's gifted you? And listen, it's not bragging to talk about these things, um, right? Because they don't belong to you anyway. And, and so you can talk about your gifts the way God has, has it equipped you, and that's, that's okay, right? Because they're, they're his anyway. They're not about you. They're about him. Um, and please, please hear this as well. If you are a Christian, it is your responsibility to find your gift and use it. To Find out what it is or what they are and to live into that, to use them and to use them on a regular basis. Well, how do we do that? I want to mention three things here. Um, and they're a little cute. Sorry about that. Hopefully they're more memorable than cute. But uh, look out, look in, and look around. I know. Sorry. A little cute. Uh, but first, look out. And I think, th- I think this is really important. Um, I think this is the last thing we usually do. And what I mean here, look, look out for the needs of the community around you. Start there. Not, not with me, right? Not with you. Because that's, that's where we tend to start, right? Particularly, I think, again, in our sort of individualistic, narcissistic culture, we want to begin with, well, what am I good at? What do I like? You know, what have I seen, you know, come out of me? And we'll get to that. That's the next one. It's not that that's unimportant. But if we begin there, then we're just, it's just revolving around us again, right? Uh, we begin in this process. If you want to find out where God has gifted you, you begin not with yourself. You begin with the community that, that needs you, uh, that, that needs your imp- input, your, imp- your influence, in it. Um, start with what's needed. Because the reality is, you might be good at something, um, but if the community doesn't need that something, or doesn't need that right now, then you've got to find something else anyway, right? And so begin, begin with what, what's actually needed. The Spirit's goal is to meet real needs, not simply to help us feel good about ourselves. Man, we blow it here, right? We, I have I've blown it here, right? We, we tend to think that it's the other way, right? It's all, about, it's all about me and me being able to use my gift in the way that I want to use my gift, but that's not what it is. We, we begin with a need and we start meeting needs because if it's a need, it's got to be met anyway, right? So at the end of it, I mean, there comes a point when who cares if you're good at it? If there's a need, we, we meet it. That, that's what God's spirit does. That's what he tries to, to or longs to see flourishing within our community, whether you're good at something or not. The reality is sometimes we just have to get our hands dirty. Um, and if there's really a need, there's really a need, then, then maybe God's Spirit's going to show up with you anyway. And, and maybe in the process, you'll learn something about yourself. In the process of, of giving yourself away. So first, look out. Second, second, look in. Yes, look in. Do some self-evaluation, right? It's a, this is an important process too, part of the process. So what are you good at? What do you like doing? Um, what have you seen? fruit from? Like, where have you seen God show up in your life when you do a certain thing? Um, We sent you an assessment to help you with this. If I have your email address, you would have got that probably, I think it was Wednesday of this past week. If it's not in your spam folder, that's where my emails go. Um, (laughs) Fine, right? Uh, I don't take it personally at all. Uh, but go dig it up, right? Get it out of your spam folder and take 10 or 15 minutes to do this assessment. It's not going to take long. It's just designed to be able to, to help begin the process. But it's got to, please, I mean, we debated as a staff even whether or not to use an assessment because they're so easily abused, right? We take a test and we're like, well, this is who I am. So, you know, it's who I am, right? That's what we do with tests, isn't it? Um, but that's, that's not, that's, the tests find out uh, what you think you're good at and what you wish you were good at which isn't always what you're actually good at, right? Uh, and so it's, it's, a, it's an important part of the process, but it cannot be the sum total. The community around you, the people speaking into your life, that always trumps any test, okay? Always, okay? And so we, we, we do the look in, uh, but we can't, we can't end it there. Looking in is not enough. You also have to look around. That's, that's the, the community around you. Look around, um, try stuff, and then just see how the community responds. And then try something else and then try something else again. And the reality is that takes a lot of hard work, uh, patience, tenacity, right? It takes, it takes a ton of humility because you've got to be willing to fail at a few things before you find the niche, right? You find the spot. And you've got to be willing to, to receive feedback from people that you respect, right? To tell you whether you're good or not. This is this is not an easy process. This is one of the reasons why why a community group is so important, right? Because hopefully you're in a in a place of people that that know you are beginning to know you, and, and you trust, and, and you can ask them, what do you see in me? What am I good at? What should I not be doing? What should I what I, what should I pursue? Um, I hope that you'll take time in your community group over this next month uh, to discuss some of these things, because people there is just too much at stake for us not to find out what we're good at. It's too much at stake there's too much at stake for us not to be honest with one another. Some of the fault is on the other end, isn't it? Have we forgotten that lost people are dying? People are starving to death. The church has a mission much bigger than our own sort of likes and dislikes, our own feelings of ego and dissatisfaction and all of that. Yet we just want to be nice, right? Right? everybody gets a trophy, right? That's what we do. You're not doing anyone any favors by encouraging to do something they're lousy at. I mean, who wins in that scenario, right? Really? I mean, no, nobody, right? I mean, that's, that's not love. It's, that's cowardice. It does kind of remind me of American Idol, though. Um, sorry. Um, I mean, I never, I never really watched it, but you know, I know that, like, inevitably, like, once a season, they'd have an episode where they'd show tryouts, and some, there'd always be, like, one or two people that are just awful, right? Like, like legitimately think that they could possibly be the next big thing and are, are just, right? I mean, you know what I'm talking about. They're just terrible. And, you know, we watch that. It's, you know, it's for ratings, of course. And so we kind of laugh and chuckle and, and whatever. But honestly, in the back of my mind, the whole time, I'm also thinking, does nobody, does nobody love this person enough to tell them that they're terrible? I mean, Seriously. Like, who does that? Who, who wants their friend or their child or their, their loved one to humiliate themselves like that? And we do that, right? Even as parents, we're, oh, yes, you're good at that, and you're good at that, and you're good at that. And let's be honest. Your kid is not good at that, right? I mean, not everything. <laughs> they can't be good at everything, right? That's just not the way it works, but we do that, and we, we allow church to be the same way. That works on TV. It doesn't, it's not good parenting, I don't think, um, and it cannot work in the church, There's just too much at stake. And so, yes, we want to be loving. We want to be gracious, of course. Don't be a jerk about it. And yet our purpose is too big to simply let people do things they're not good at or simply to be too proud to try things that you're possibly going to fail at. It's just not worth it. Look out, look in, look around. Find your gifts and use them. One one final thing here. Um, Because you might recall, there's one thing that I really hope we remember, and I haven't really talked about that all that much here. Um, is that your gift is not for you. Um, So yes, you have the Spirit. Yes, the Spirit gives good gifts, but your gift is not for you. And that's really hard for me. Because whether we like it or not, this is the culture we live in, right? We're kind of in an American Idol kind of world where, where we root what we're good at with our identity. It's who we are. It's not something we do. It's not a, an ability that we possess. It becomes our identity. And so we have to, to feel good about ourselves. We have to compete, right? We have to be better than the other people. And we have to, we have to you know, be able to save face when we're going to fail. And we do all these kinds of things to try to, um, to, try to hide, to try to feel good about ourselves, and we think that we have rights surrounding our gifts, that church merely exists um, to help us feel good about ourselves, right? It's not why we're here. I hope that's not why you're here. Hopefully that happens a little bit, right? And yet, there's, there's just too much at stake. And Paul gets at this in verse 7. Really, this is the why of all of it. He says, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And this is what's going to come up over and over and over again these next few weeks not my good, not your good, for our good. And I know it's, it's weird, right? It's hard for us to even get our minds around because every other gift that I get, it's about me, right? And yet this one, it is definitely to me and to you, but it's not for you, it's not about you. So let me ask just one more question. Not just about our gifts, but this is about who we are. This goes much deeper than simple abilities, are you willing, am I willing to do whatever it takes for others? Because that's really at the heart of this, isn't it? And w- that's, that's what we're going to see over the next few weeks. Next Sunday, we're going to see how we are designed to fit together like a body, right? That we're different body parts all together, but we're one, right? It's such an incredible metaphor of unity within diversity, and Christ is our head. That's, that's who we are. And, and the, the week after that, we're going to look at the, uh, the, the famous chapter on love, right? Love is patient, love is kind, and... Um, we love that chapter. We tend to. It's been a little overused, maybe. Um, and it's certainly been taken out of context. We forget that it's it smack dab in the middle of a conversation on gifts. And what Paul is really saying there, he I mean, says a lot about love, and we'll talk about that. What he's really saying is, it doesn't matter how awesome you are. You can be the most gifted person on the planet. But if you're not loving, who cares? Right? That's the whole purpose of chapter 13. So we'll, we'll get there. That'll be, that'll be fun. I'm excited about that one. Um, <laughs> And, and then the last one, we'll talk about how these things are meant to build us up, all of us, whatever that looks like, us and our world and our, and our schools and our neighborhoods and every place that we have influence. Because while, while Paul's emphasis is certainly here on the church gathered, right? That's us, the church gathered. That's not where the church ceases to exist, right? We're also the church scattered. And so there's application for this in every place, every aspect in which we have influence in our lives and in our world that God has gifted you to serve him and to bring good to others and bring good and to his kingdom and glory to his name in every place that you touch home work school you name it every one of us longs to be a part of something bigger than ourselves we long to do something that we feel that we're good at uh, to feel that we actually contribute right to to more than just our own individual endeavor We, we long for that And Jesus said that he would build His church, that his message, right, his life, death, and resurrection, that that would usher in a brand new kind of kingdom, a kingdom that is defined by this God who gives up everything for us, who sacrifices all to begin that work in us. And then, perhaps the most amazing thing is that he chose us to be conduits of his love and grace and truth in this world. Us. And he knows, he knows we can't do it on our own. Hopefully we have enough sense to realize that too. And so he's given us his spirit. And his spirit gives good gifts, and those gifts are not for us. They're for each other. They're for our world. And ultimately they're for his glory. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would help us in this. God, I pray that you would... God, I pray that you'd root out the selfishness in me, in my heart. Whether it's pride, um, in the form of either arrogance or insecurity, God. Or, or it's a, just an unhealthy sense of my own rights. God, we, we bring all kinds of things to the table here. God, I pray that you would kill the sin that lives within us. So that we could love you and that we could love others. God, we long to see your work. And if you would be so kind as to use us to allow us to be conduits of your grace and love, God, we would be so grateful. Do that work we pray in Christ's name.